Hey everyone, my name is Francisco Escobar, and I'm the host of this show, Conversamos. We are sharing an exclusive season three episode. Get ready as we have a great panelist across the U.S. political aisle to discuss the upcoming U.S. presidential election. All here as Latin Entertainment presents Conversamos. Song, I'm taking it back for the platform that I form. You should help me transform. I run the reservoir, the predator, like a hungry carnivore when I'm breaking through these heavy. Now, let me introduce you to our panel. We have Freddie S, Edna T from Aztec Radio, Yadira S from C O L O R, and Julio Delgado. Thank you all for joining us. And now, with our first question What are the most important issues to you? when voting for a political candidate? When voting for a political candidate, the things that I find most important uh, has a lot to do with the economics of our nation. Uh, I feel like, you know, I'm a Republican, I'm a conservative because I feel like uh, the free market is a way to empower communities. It's just, as of recently, uh, I've noticed that there's a lot of individuals who feel like you know, we should be more, more left, but I chose uh, Joe Biden as the possible individual that uh, I'll possibly vote for uh, because I feel like he is truly like a conservative, like he's a conservative that uh, I grew up with. He's the conservative that I'm um, like more familiar with. Um, so it, it has a lot to do with business and, and the economics uh, but also uh, immigration. Uh, I, I believe wholeheartedly that the United States uh, has a lot of immigrants that have contributed positively to us, and there has to be a way to find a balance uh, between, you know, uh, legal immigration or illegal immigration. I feel like we need to get together as a community and and figure out a way to uplift each other instead of demonizing each other over things like status. So those are my two, you know, uh, things that I, I vote for is, you know, immigration policies, as well as the right of a focused small businesses, not corporate businesses, but small businesses. Uh, for me, it is more policies than personality. Um, so in a sense of, you know, anything involving policies, uh, I was born and raised in a very cultural family, very conservative family, born and raised in a Christian home. My parents are pastors of a church. So um, all those values, um, I identify myself as a conservative above all, above all, conservative, Republican above all, and then a Trump supporter um, most of the times. Uh, for many reasons, you know, anything uh, from pro-life to um, conserving, cons conserving our First and Second Amendment, um, border protection. I hope we could talk about border protection and immigration um, in this discussion. Uh, capitalism, um, I'm 100% in favor of capitalism. Um, I think our region is uh, going into socialism eventually. Um, Joe Biden, he seems to be conservative, but his um, 
supporters and some of his possible um, um, partners might not be there. Some of radical left, so that that worries me a bit. So it's more policies than anything. Uh, you know, um, I think for me, I really try to take into consideration how politics would affect us as a whole. And so I, I would definitely agree with um, taking into consideration how the economy has been doing, how, um, in addition, <laughs> how has healthcare overall uh, has impacted during COVID our communities. Um, I also uh, would like to talk about, um, you know, right now we got a new Supreme Court justice appointed um, who obviously is conservative. And so how will that actually affect um, our communities, our women um, who, um, you know, are uh, pro-choice? Um, and so I also uh, think that that is a big issue that needs to, to be discussed. Um, I also, when I elect, you know, when I think about the issues to elect a president, I think about immigration reform, um, that we have such a kind of uh, antiquated and broken system of immigration that I think needs to be completely changed in order to actually um, be able to help individuals who are either seeking asylum and, um, you know, see how they can contribute to our community. Um, I agree with Julio that there's so many things that um, immigrants can contribute to our community. And so I think immigration is a huge issue um, when we talk about who are we going to elect as our next president, even um, climate change and, and, and international, like, you know, public relations and foreign relations, um, you know, how are we going to deal with the rest of the rest of the world and the rest of, of our, our partners when, when we have a president, um, I mean, currently right now, who is backing away from certain agreements, um, you know, and so I think um, when I th when, when I think about voting and the issues that we're voting on to whom the president will then represent our, our population, I think about voting in the conditions that we're in. And so the conditions and the livelihoods that we're in definitely impact who will then be able to represent um, all these issues. Thank you, so. Edna. Well, I'm not going to lie. I have voted on emotion in the past. That I've voted, and that has changed in the in this year. I was not a Trump supporter in the beginning. I voted for Hillary. I was. I consider myself a liberal conservative, and what that means is that I really didn't find a space for myself in the left or on the right, even though I was raised conservative. Uh, there's a lot, I'm very um, modern when it comes to many, many issues because I am a mentor. So I hear a lot of stories and a lot of different stories, a lot of background from different young ladies that come from very different, um, not only backgrounds, but heritage as well and scenarios. That being said, as far as what I look in a candidate for presidency, I have learned to get to be more informed, to be more educated, because I realized that it does affect us. When Trump was elected the first time, like I mentioned, I didn't vote for him because I wasn't a fan of his to begin with. And I didn't understand how the Republican Party could choose someone to someone like him to represent them. However, I was 
I'll be the first one to admit that he has made a lot of changes. He has come through with a lot of his promises. As hard as that was able to say out loud, I am a Trump supporter now. Everybody's very confused because a lot of my friends, I'm a philanthropist. I do a lot of community work and I revolve myself around a lot of Democrats, a lot of left, a lot of um, liberals. So their mentality was being not pushed on me, but I was being influenced by that. However, what's important to me now, I've learned to, to be informed and to really research things and find out what was going on, what's happening, what has happened. Um, and that being said, it has opened up my eyes in many different ways. And that's the reason I think differently. You know, it's not about input or output. It's about how to figure out a way to contribute more to, to the United States. Um, because I've noticed that Republicans have started to take a more... In the era uh, of post-Trump politics, I've noticed that there's a, a lot of uh, like antagonizing of the Latino community uh, in regards to legal immigration. So the fact that it's a little bit more humane, it's a little bit, uh, you know, uh, because I feel that we're entering an age of humane politics so it, it's that it has to do a lot with the fact that it doesn't antagonize the immigrant thank you and, and that it gives individuals a possibility so let me start off by saying um i, I really hope all the daca and dreamers um I, I really hope daca gets upheld to begin with uh the 11 million illegal immigrants that are here i really hope um they're able to, if they're here, I mean, you know, if they're here, they're not committing any crimes. I really hope they can stay here, get uh, some sort of uh, amnesty. I, I hope our government can work something out. Illegal immigrants, um, Latinos that are here legally are a big factor in our economy. Um, everyone knows that. Uh, I think um, if ICE really wanted to get rid of every illegal immigrant, they would have done it already. If they don't, it's because they know we can't survive as a nation without our, uh, uh, the illegal immigrants. So um, what I like about um, the Republican Party and, and, and specific about Trump is he's not against illegal immig um, immigration. He's uh, very for legal immigration. He's said it many times. You could come to our country, but do it legally. Why is that important? Why is border protection important for me? Because one of every three women that cross the border get raped as they're crossing the border. They're coming over, expecting and hoping of their life, and they end up getting raped multiple times by multiple men along the way, along the southern border. Um, about 20,000 children a year get crossed through the southern border to eventually get forced into labor, um, or sexual exploitation. So why do we need border protection? Why do we need to make it clear that we are for legal uh, immigration into this country? Is because when we do that, when we have border protection, when we make it clear to other countries, you could come here, but legally we stop all that suffering on the southern border. We stop all that separation of families in the southern border. 90% um, of drugs that come into our country are crossed through the southern border so uh, when I talk about border protection, when I talk about immigration, I'm very for legal immigration. 
Uh, I stand behind DACA and Dreamers, and I really hope the 11 million illegal immigrants that are here currently get um, some sort of uh, something worked out where they could stay if they're here. Um, you know, they have not committed a crime, and they're going to be here to respect the our country, the Constitution, defend it, and uh, and and love and respect our our leaders, regardless of who they are. Thank you, Freddie. Any idea? Yeah, I think um, obviously I'm definitely um, within the Democratic Party's um, alliance. Um, I think what is interesting, what guides me to um, to Biden's approach within immigration, is that um, you know he he definitely is trying to. Um, take into consideration what um, Obama's policies was. He definitely highlights his role in immigration in the Obama administration, or he led the policy in addressing the 2014 wave of unaccompanied minors arriving in the U.S. Um, what I do think is definitely needed, um, obviously, I, I definitely agree with all the uh, DACA recipients because they are making a difference. I have obviously met personally many people who are within DACA who fight, uh, um, that are activists, who fight for our community, who, um, you know, are sometimes our own doctors uh, during this time of COVID. Um, and so what I think um, is more important is overall an immigration reform. Um, like I would be totally for coming into the country legally, but it takes years overall just to even get your citizenship status, let alone go through the residency process and then your citizenship status. I think what is hard right now is that we're dealing with um, a wave of individuals who are seeking asylum, who at this point, legally, they can't even say that they're afraid for their lives because that, does, that doesn't even constitute under asylum, seeking asylum anymore. Um, being afraid for, for your lives because one, you are threatened. Um, two, it could be threatened from um, you know, gang violence um, or just being afraid for your, for your life because there isn't any resources within your country. And I, and I know um, just even based on um, the discussion that Biden did have in his recent, um, debate, he was talking about being able to provide aid um, and resources for those countries to be able to even um, provide those services for the people that are that are fleeing those countries. Um, now, do I think that with regards to immigration, I, I, I also think that there should be a reunification of children on, on the border that are, you know, in cages. Um, you know, he's, Trump does say that they're in clean and sustainable conditions, but there have been documentation that there has been a spike also in COVID-related cases um, and that these children are provided the bare minimum. And so I think about, um, one, that um, the immigration reform needs to be completely redone. I think Biden can take us to that level. Well, Immigration is a very touchy subject. I don't think there's a perfect way of resolving the issue quickly because of so many factors that are included. However, this is something that I'm not fully, fully educated on as far as, sorry, I'm driving here. 
So it, that being said, I am learning um, every day a little bit more about immigration. However, I do know that Trump wants to go ahead and sign the information or the DACA and let all the all the kids or children that are under DACA to stay here, which is something that I think everybody agrees on. But everybody, as far as everybody in the United States agrees on, however, it needs to be passed. The laws need to be passed. And there needs to be a way where everybody, all the judicial and Congress and everybody works together to get that done. Unfortunately, we all know government acts like children in a playground. Therefore, I don't know how long it's going to take them to come to a sound agreement because what Obama signed, he knew it was temporary. It wasn't a permanent fix. Why wasn't a permanent fix? How, why wasn't there a permanent fix at the time Biden and Obama were in you know, their administration? How come they didn't fix it? There's a lot of questions, and I don't necessarily blame them for it because it's a very complex issue. It's an emotional issue that is used against Latinos every single election year. And I hope we are able to come to common ground so we can let all the kids that are under DACA stay here for sure. They're already here. They're contributing. They're making positive um, impact in our community, in society. And I hope that as Democrats, Republicans, everybody here locally, whether you have a political party or not, that we're able to come to common ground and not argue about it, but talk about it because I believe both parties have great ideas and the heart in the right place as well. Thank you. I guess what scares me from Joe Biden um, is that one um, debate they were having, Democratic debate, where they were asked how many of you would um, give free medical or health care to all the illegal immigrants that are here and that are, will be coming here. And they all raised their hand, including Biden. I think that's pretty scary. I mean, uh, open borders is scary. And giving free things is pretty scary. That's going to overwhelm our economy. Um, we all know that's impossible. And uh, we all know that's pandering. And um, it's, it's not fair. It's not fair for our Latinos to be promised something. Hey, you're going to come to this country. And it's going to be nice and quick and easy. And you're going to get everything for free. And we all know that's not going to happen ever. Um, so I don't think that's that's fair for our Latino brothers and sisters that are trying to get here. But when you think about people coming into the United States, obviously for a better future, um, I even think about most people, most residents, most citizens don't even have access to health care at some points in their lives. So to to say that, um, you know, immigrants would come in asking for what would what some people would consider a handout would be more so necessarily, you know, like a, a resource that even in the United States, we're struggling to even achieve. Like we are, you know, one of the first world countries that doesn't have a universal health care uh, that is not associated with being with having a job or a, a job associated to health care. So if you don't obviously have a job, then you're kind of out of luck or obviously paid into um, like a Medicaid system. But even then, I feel like many people are are um, out of a loss for even healthcare, or um, you know, to so to me to say that um, like an open border would correlate to an impact in our economy um, and even our healthcare, I think would still kind of negate the fact that 
um, we are even on our own kind of struggling to even access universal health care. Um, if so, how has COVID influenced your decision in choosing your political candidate? The president acted um, upon the information that he had. And we all acted upon the information that we had. And because the information was changing so quickly every single day, every single week for work, for, um, you know, just general public, it really told me that nobody was able, nobody could be as prepared for what was coming. Um, Even though I've heard that the Obama administration left a plan. However, this virus is something, it's like, a lot of other things, other viruses that we have currently, the flu, the, uh, you know, diabetes, um, heart disease, which I'm a big advocate about, those things also kill um, a lot of Latinos on a daily, daily basis. That being said, um, I am not disappointed in the way uh, the Trump administration handled everything because we were all learning together. And this was unexpected. I wish that... We were not as afraid, like we're, we're acting less afraid now than we were in the beginning, but I am not disappointed on the way he, he handled the, the situation. I'm happy that they're getting a hold of it now. And if we think about it, none of the other countries were able to prevent it, no matter how prepared, how, how many lockdowns they had. So... That being said, I felt that he did. He has done a good job. The whole administration has done a good job. And it's up to us as well as the people of the United States to do our part. We don't do our part. You know, we're not going to control this virus. So it's a community effort. It's just not only on Trump or only on the president, whoever's going to be in charge. It's on all of us. And we all need to do our part for sure. So I'm happy the way it was handled. Uh, it's sad, all the deaths and all the suffering that it has caused economically and emotionally, but overall, you know, I believe it was handled the best way it could be handled. Thank you, Edna. And Julio? Uh, I do agree with uh, a sentiment that Edna shared, saying that uh, it has to do a lot with the, like, micro-level community effort, you know, what we do in our city, what we do in our communities, what we do in our neighborhoods. Uh, but prior to coronavirus, I was um, unsure if I was going to vote for Biden. But realizing that there was a delay over how uh, Donald tracked it, you know, uh, that's what solidified me choosing uh, Biden. Because I saw stuff on, on Twitter about the coronavirus when it was still being played down, when it was supposedly not a bad virus. I remember scrolling through Twitter and uh, I saw a video where people were just collapsing and they were, you know, coughing up blood. And I, I remember people uh, telling me, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal, you know, but I remember saying, no, this is going to be a big deal. And at the age of information where we have immediate access to information that changes ever so often, I believe that there should have been a sense of urgency since the beginning. Instead of waiting until March to react, I think they should have reacted as soon as they figured it out. And I know there's going to be people that says, oh, well, he cut off flights from China, but did he do the same with Europe? Most of the cases were, were from Europe, and he didn't do anything to 
ensure that there was, um, you know, limited migration from Europe. So I, I believe that uh, depending on dependent on all of the consideration and all the factors, uh, he could have done better. But you know, I feel that he has been uh, playing it down even to this day. You know, by saying if we test less, then it's going to be less cases. It, it doesn't work like that. So let me start off by saying I just hate so much how a worldwide pandemic has been politicized, especially for our U.S. elections. Like if anyone had control of this besides China, right? Uh, we cannot we cannot blame anyone for what's going on other than China. Now, um, having said that, at one point I was questioning if our government was doing the right thing. But as a conservative Republican, I'm, I'm strong and believe the less government invasive we are the better we are grown-ups we should know what to do um when to do it and how to do it if we don't feel safe going out you don't go out you don't need the government to tell you don't go out or go out if you don't feel safe i'm um, going to stores or restaurants don't go to those stores and restaurants that you should be more than fine so i i just really dislike how politicized this has been if you hear the biden's campaign um all they talk about is uh, COVID, COVID and COVID and, and blaming the deaths on Trump. Um, like if, you know, like if it was the president's, the governor's, any, anyone's fault for what's going on. It, it is not. It really isn't. I mean, it's a worldwide pandemic. And if it's our president's fault and then it's also uh, the Mexican president's fault and so forth, every country's, we're just going to blame their president for it and if that's the case. Um, so I just don't like it being politicized. I, I think we're grownups. Um, for example, I work at a bank and I was doing everything by the book. I was wearing my mask. I was doing the whole hand sanitizing, keeping my distance. And I still caught the COVID. How? I have no idea. You know, we were learning and we started learning about COVID. And I don't think we're ever going to know exactly the, the, how it works. Um, I mean, we are eventually, but not, not, not near. We just have to, as a, as a community, I, I, I back what the, uh, Julio and, and uh, Edna said, we just have as a community to be, um, not be selfish and think about one, one another and, and follow what we know uh, so far. And there's people that need to earn their living. I don't like um, shutdowns. I'm not for shutdowns. Um, there's a lot of people who are losing their jobs, closing their businesses, um, a lot of suicidals, suicides, a lot of um, home um, uh, violence, uh, sexual violence at home because of the shutdowns and lockdowns. I'm not for that. Um, so COVID has not moved my political needle one bit because it shouldn't for anyone. It, for me, at least, I think any politician would really kind of demonstrate how they would handle very difficult situations in a country. And I think a pandemic, I mean, a worldwide pandemic is something that to me definitely shows how a leader will go ahead and, you know, either unite the, um, the nation or kind of even, even divide it. Um, and I do think that um, Trump did a horrible job on my personal opinion, obviously, um, 
because one, he, he definitely denied knowing that the a pandemic was coming. He downplayed it. And then there were, there was uh, video recordings that did mention that he knew about the pandemic hitting the United States yet decided to do nothing in preparation for it. I think in addition, um, obviously there's a total of 200,000 coronavirus deaths in the United States. And I mean, I think for me, the fact that he continues to kind of downplay that it's a serious situation. Um, obviously, if you are healthy, um, you'll get coronavirus and, and you know, you'll be able to, to your, by your own, healthily combat it. But if you have any pre-existing conditions, or if you know that you will get um, sick and know that you do have those conditions, pre-existing conditions, that you can potentially die from this disease. Um, I think with regards to having enough, you know, um, PPE, any personal protection, um, I also think that governor, like, for example, critiquing uh, the governor of New York, which was a recent critique in which um, it looks like a ghost town and it's empty in the last debate, is the fact that New York is actually has been one of the hot zones of coronavirus and and because of their stay-at-home order orders and their implementation, coronavirus actually was able to go down. The records of them were able to go down in the state of New York. I think as I think what I looked at in a leader was somebody to be able to unite the United States and all uh, and be able to do a unified front of how to handle coronavirus how to be able to offer their the support to the community instead of being instead of dividing each state and having them um you know kind of fend for themselves of how each state will go ahead and, and take care of the coronavirus pandemic on the on their own and so it was not a unified front for me um, I think it continues to be downplayed even now that we're hitting a third wave. Um, and I think for me, for sure, it's a huge, um, uh, it, 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 it's a huge uh, thing for me that, that displays how um, a leader, in, in this case, Trump handled the situation. So um, I think for me, um, it, it, it left to be desired. I would say that. Thank you, dear. And now for our next question, how does each candidate perform in promoting Latina ownership? And I'd like Freddie to answer this first. Uh, so I love how our president has a slogan, one of many, right? <laughs> that says promises made, promises kept. Um, and one of those promises that he made and actually he signed a legislation of was $1 billion, $1 billion for um, Hispanic business owners. Um, I mean, I, unless you guys know of any other president that has done that recently, um, President Trump actually um, promised it and kept his promise and made it happen. He signed a legislation of $1 billion to help Hispanic Latino business owners. So um, for me, this rhetoric of, um, because I get this a lot, oh, Trump doesn't even like you. Uh, Trump's a racist. Um, I think actions speak louder than words, you know? Um, his words were taken out of context when he was first running for presidency in his first um, term. Um, I, I truly believe, um, I haven't seen an action of his part uh, of being racist. 
um, it's actually all the, the other way around. He's helped the Hispanic community, Latino community like no other president. It's, it's, it's on, numbers never lie. Literally numbers never lie. And if you look at the numbers of Hispanic uh, buying homes this year, Hispanic coming out of poverty, uh, Hispanics open opening uh, businesses because of the legislation our president has uh, passed and helped. Um, I, I, I'm truly grateful for what this um, for our president uh, and the presidency has done for the Latino community. Um, I do agree, you know, that, that Trump has uh, done good in actually trying to promote Latino ownership, but we got to realize that you know, executive signatures are 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 an action with no uh, content behind it. You know, I know that sounds pretty harsh, but it's one thing to sign for a plan; it's another thing to implement it. Whether or not he implements it, you know, that's dependent on if he gets elected or not. But I do agree with Freddie that that he says that. I have not been aware of any other presidents that has actively been trying to help Latino ownership, but you got to divide this question into two, you know, are we talking about small businesses or are we talking about corporate? Because uh, Donald Trump will always support Latino corporate um, organizations like Goya. uh, But what about small businesses? Uh, I feel like with the coronavirus stimulus, you know, he kind of showed that there's something in between the executive, uh, you know, the federal and the state, because uh, I'm highly involved with a lot of small businesses in my community that are Latino owned, and they didn't get any funds from that stimulus. So are we uh, really sure that, you know, what has been promised is going to be kept? Uh, that's for us to figure out, uh, but I am aware that Biden also has a, you know, Latino ownership um, plan. Uh, you can look up on, on the website, and it's not just about you know uh, supporting uh, Latino corporations, but it's about empowering communities through uh, economic empowerment uh, of small businesses. It's about uh, providing you know, dignity to those individuals uh, who, who are Latino, who are trying to, you know, achieve their American dream. So in summary, I feel like Donald Trump, you know, uh, has his said in, in the right place, but we need someone who is more actions than words. There's a small business, a restaurant, I can't remember the name of it, but I did put it on my Facebook page because I shared it a restaurant in El Paso and they were pointed out for being at the Trump rally. They didn't know. They just went and supported Trump. And when they like, I think it was one or two days later where the restaurant owner and his wife were being threatened. People were coming by throwing things in their, in the parking lot, calling them names and putting bad reviews, all kinds of stuff. And it was other Latinos and other minorities doing this to immigrants that worked really hard for that restaurant, a small business, like many that we, uh, that I can tell that many of us work with in our own communities. So Donald Trump heard about what was going on, although he couldn't travel to El Paso, he did put a tweet out and supported that particular business, just like he did with Goya 
He did it with this Mexican restaurant. The moment he did that, all of Trump supporters flooded that restaurant. That man in the interview, you can tell he's crying. He's, he's very emotional. And I would too. I mean, he gave me goosebumps. At that point, I said, what is going on? Is he that, as bad as people think he is? And how come this wasn't promoting anybody's Facebook, media, radio, or anything? It didn't get any, any kind of promotion. So that to me, like I said, I, I, I was left, you know, sort of as for me, I do get emotional. But then I said, wait a minute, let me look into it. And I saw the video and I shared it on my Facebook. So if he can do that for that one person, and if he's racist, he wouldn't have done it. And if he didn't care, he, he wouldn't have done it. If he only cared about big, big businesses, he wouldn't have done it. So that to me, like many of you said earlier, actions speak more than words. Um, I know one of the big things that Biden is trying to do is implement a higher minimum wage for all individuals, right? All citizens of the United States and all working um, individuals. And so right now, at least I, obviously I can speak for what is going to be here in, in Colorado. Right now, the minimum wage is $11.10. It'll be $12 come January. Um, in school, obviously, I did... Um, a um, activity to see what is the minimum wage that people need to to live by to actually be successful, right? To 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 not just pay for the minimum things. Um, and so, fifteen dollars obviously is not going to be enough. Um, I think a, a, a working minimum wage that helps community is more than that. But at least I think that is something that Biden is trying to implement. He wants to have at least fifteen dollars minimum wage. I think in addition, um, he he thinks about um, nowadays in order to uh, get some jobs, most individuals have to have at least a degree. And so what I think is important is that he um, Biden is trying to uh, implement like Pell Grants um, for low income students. Um, he is offering um also community college free for two years. Um, and in addition, he is looking into um, investing at least, you know, uh, 70 billion investment in Hispanic and other minority serving institutions. Um, and so I think there is investment that he wants to make into our Latino community, um, whether it be through um, raising the minimum wage, offering, um, you know, uh, college free for two years, um, increasing Pell Grants for our community so they can actually go to college, have a degree, get a good paying job. I feel like there is, um, uh, I mean, I, I agree that, yes, he may have implemented um, some funding for businesses, um, however, and I could be, I, I need to be a little bit more, more well-versed into how those business, the, whether it be small businesses or whether it be like corporate um, money that was invested and how has that, how has that impacted today our Latino community? But at least I can see that what is going to be promised by the Biden and Harris um uh, you know, uh, presidency, I think it's something that all our community needs and something that can look forward to. So. Thank you. And Freddie, to respond to a question. So respectfully adding to what um, Yadira just mentioned about increasing the minimum wage, that's actually very, very extremely dangerous to our small businesses because that's actually going to, um, our small businesses are going to just scale back in regards to employment uh, because they're not going to be able to afford it. 
So minimum wage is um, actually not good for small businesses. They're actually going to let go of empl employees um, and even increase their their um, item costs. So I don't think that's very healthy for a small business. It could potentially work for large corporations, but for small businesses, increasing min increasing minimum wage is is death. It's going to it's, it's going to stifle their growth pretty much. If I can just say one thing, I was with a small business owner today that I'm going to help in promoting their business because they're in the verge of break of losing their, their small business because they opened the business a, about four months prior to COVID. And she says she has to be there because she can't afford to pay anyone to work there for her. She has to make her schedule on her kids. And she says, Edna, you came in the perfect time to help me. And just today I was able to bring her three clients, three clients, not even using my social media because we do promoting and advertising differently than what people think. But, you know, he does have a point. Um, she can't afford it. She can't afford $7. She can't afford $12. And if it goes up to any higher, there's, she definitely won't be able to afford to employ a teenager that can work weekends. I mean, I, I would say respectfully, I... I can say that I know that it may impact small businesses and I am for helping small businesses. And um, Edna, it looks like you were able to help out of your own resources and out of your own networks to, to be able to help this small business. Um, I also see the, the, the uh, other side of the coin where most of our community cannot live out of a minimum wage. And so if, if, if it comes to looking at it as a whole picture, I think we still need a minimum wage. And if those small businesses are still in need of funding, obviously because we're in a pandemic, it's, it's even harder for them to sustain themselves economically. But if, they, if Trump is providing those resources, then I would like to see those, that come out to play already. You know, if, if they're already struggling, I would like to see how his stimulus for small businesses is helping them in this time. And what I see right now is that it's not. And I know one of the things that Biden is promising is at least helping small businesses be able to have funding to be able to start up, but in a safe way. Because if we don't do it in a safe way, we can see that it's still gonna increase. It's still gonna maintain us into being in, in this uh, COVID economic um, time. At least we, we need to think about doing it in safe ways. And if, if the funding is still needed, then maybe strategize into having a different um, proportion of our, our budget. Like our defense budget is insane and it's not going into our community. So I'm, all I'm saying is there is funding, but we need to see where that funding is being allocated. And if it's not into our communities, then where exactly is it going? Oh, definitely. I agree that there's two sides to every to every to everything that we do and to every story and every issue or every law or every scenario. Uh, but she was doing great. And I hope that uh, Trump's plan to help small businesses is going to affect and is effective for them. Um, it wasn't very productive around this time, but she was doing very well um, prior to COVID. So hopefully when the economy goes back up, what's going to happen, you know, there were, she was actually doing very, very well. And, like many small other businesses, she was affected by it. So. And now to our next question. 
How does each candidate perform in promoting Latina political power? Well, I'm just going to be up front. Uh, Trump has done a piss poor job in politically empowering uh, the Latinos. Uh, but like going over Biden's plan of uh, Latino ownership, you know, beyond just economic, you know, there's also, you know, the fact he is willing to appoint people in his cabinet that are Latinos. Uh, he is willing to appoint them as heads of departments, uh, you know, across federal entities. So I feel like as of right now, you know, unless Trump takes a different approach, Biden is doing more to give more Latinos an opportunity to have a voice in government. And a lot of people might say that this is pandering or performative, but I've actually seen seen it firsthand uh, as Biden, even though he doesn't agree with the far left, uh, he allows him to have uh, a seat at the table. Uh, or let's take... For example, uh, Julian Castro, you know, you know, he allows him to, you know, have an opportunity to, you know, say uh, what he feels is right. So I, I see that Joe Biden as a candidate has, you know, even without a presidential power, uh, has given a lot of opportunities for Latinos to uh, have some sort of, you know, footprint in, in politics. Thank you, Julio. Now, Freddie. So, um, obviously, we all know Trump is not a politician, so he doesn't like to ponder, pander. Uh, would I feel proud and would I feel excited to see a Latino, you know, in the cabinet or working near him or with him? Of course I would. But we have to understand, um, I think he's choosing the most qualified person to do their job. Uh, for example, Joe Biden. Um, there were so many other better candidates than Joe Biden, number one. Number two, for the vice president, it was such a shame that they were only electing a female and she had to be of color. Why not elect someone who is actually qualified, who has the skills, the talent, and who has experience to be the actual vice president? So when it comes to, um, you know, Latino, um, Latina, uh, empowerment in political, would I be proud to see someone uh, Hispanic or Latino, Latina in the White House near the president, with the president? Of course I would, but I would, I would probably feel safer um, when he's surrounded by people that are actually qualified for the job and not chosen because of the color of the skin or because of their um, heritage or the last name. So again, I, I hope we get to the point where we see one day a Latino, Latina in the White House I really hope so, but I hope, I rather hope to see someone who's qualified to lead this nation. Uh, one, I do agree with um, having people in, in political spaces and power that are, um, you know, driven by one, by their education and knowledge, but also by their, by the community. Um, I know that, um, <laughs> I mean, what I would say is just based on character. I'm just basing it on character and based on what I see. I see that there is obviously um, a lot of um, uh, just a lot of 
I don't even know how to say it, a lot of anger or a lot of um, obviously completely different opposing views by already people that are in power. I mean, obviously, for example, um, we can take about think about women in power um, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Ilhan Omar or Ayanna Presley. Um, like those are women in power. And I can already tell that there is, um, you know, a, a back and forth between Trump, the Trump administration and, and them. Um, because they are wanting, you know, the best for our communities and, and what they can offer. Um, and so what do I think that um, Trump has provided more Latino political power? I would probably say no, just because of just his political agenda. Do I think that politi Latino political power can increase if he's out of office um, through a different administration, through Biden? I do think that there would be at least more collaboration. So. Thank you, Adira. And yeah, Edna? Well, I definitely agree with Freddie. We're on the same page. We definitely want to see Latinos in power, um, people that we can relate to a lot more that understand our culture and our personalities and our heritage because everybody wants to put us in a melting pot and we're not a melting pot. We're Mexicans, we're Puerto Ricans, we're Cubans and so forth. Um, I think that's something that we could all agree on, that Latinos are not being represented in the White House as much as we would like them to be. But I think it's in us to support our local Latino um, people that run for office. We've done many, many things here locally, here in Texas in the DFW, where we're supported um, Democrats. Um, for example, Raymond here in Fort Worth. Now it's Elva that's going to be going for Fort Worth. And it's important for them to go out there and network what I see. I do a lot of network where I live and I don't see them network as much as they should. Maybe they're very busy. Maybe they need to have people networking for them. I don't know. We're missing something and that's why we're not being represented in the white house. But like Freddie said, we want to make sure that not only because of their skin color, but they know what they're doing and they have their hearts in the set in the right place. So the right decisions can be made for all the Americans. Um, just quickly, um, and I'm not picking on, on Yadira, but I mean, women have been empowered for a long, long time. I don't think um, AOC and the backlash she gets is because of her empowerment or any of, of the um, actual ca candidates that are, uh, I mean, Congress women that she mentioned. Um, women have been empowered. And do they need to be more empowered? Absolutely. Uh, there should be e equity, equality. Um, but the backlash that AOC gets is definitely not because she's a woman. I can tell you that. And and I agree. I agree that it's not it's not because she's a woman. I, I think that in my honest opinion is that she does bring um, good views and strategies to the table that sometimes, um, you know, push people to to think about differently. And I honestly think that sometimes um, it rattles the cages of things that are done that have been done the same way for many years in Congress and in politics. And so I don't think it necessarily has to be with her being a woman. I think it has to do with the issues that she's bringing to the table. So now for our next question, what are the solutions that each candidate have to promote equity in the specific Latina community? That both parties have failed to include, you know, voices of the Latinos when 
formulating their like plans or agenda. So first and foremost, uh, they need to make sure that there's an input, you know, from the people that they're trying to serve. That's uh, first and foremost. Second, uh, I feel like, you know, there needs to be a, you know, unbiased, um, you know, um, committee, you know, where it's both, you know, Republicans and, and Democrats to, you know, actually go out and find solutions to the things that, you know, affect us as Latinos. So I feel like right now Biden, like his approach and having more uh, input from individuals is a good starting point. Uh, so I believe that we need not to be pandered, but we need to be listened to authentically, not just during election seasons, not just during uh, like midterm elections. Uh, it has to be a year round effort from from each candidate and from both parties. You know, they can't be spewing rhetoric and then like three months before you know, do something performative. It has to be an authentic engagement. So I feel like each candidate to promote equity, they have to be more sincere in their actions. I do believe we have a long road ahead of us when it comes to our, the Hispanic American Americans here in the United States. Um, I know that they're making a strife, but like you said, it, it comes down to what do we, the people want we have to bring that to our local mayors, our governors, so it can be raised up to all the way to the White House. Because if we're not being represented, like we spoke about earlier, then they don't know what our needs are. I don't know who they're speaking to, what they're doing, as far as that goes. I'm not as informed as maybe Freddie or everybody on the other panel. Like I mentioned when I was not a Trump supporter, I ignored the news. I, I did many things wrong. And now I'm trying to correct them, trying to get educated and, you know, learn a little bit every single day. But I, what I do know is that there is a long road. We're not being represented. And just like somebody else mentioned earlier, I heard something about, you know, listen to what we want, listen to what we really need. And I think that's going to be a long road before we get to where we really have to be, but we have to start somewhere. So we have to have our voices heard and we as uh, US citizens have to do something about it, not just sit here and complain about it. Thank you. And, uh, and Freddie. Yep. I think um, equity and equality of minorities and especially talking about, uh, obviously Latinos, it starts from within. I think in our popular culture now, um, us Latinos are very tribalist. We are more loyal to our social groups than any or anything else or above everything else. And that itself is making us be not part of America in a, in a weird sense. It's, it's hard to explain because, uh, for example, I'm, I'm Latino, Hispanic, and and I come out, you know, as a conservative Republican voting for Trump, and then I get excluded by my own people. So how can there be equity or equality from our government if our own Latino communities are derogatory and racist to each other? Um, so I think that equity and equality starts uh, amongst us in our social groups, understanding that... Um, I, I, before there was tribes and, and now we're, we're not in a, 
tribalism country. It's a democracy. We're all Americans, uh, regardless from where we come from. And when we start taking out those pronouns and titles and we just call each other Americans, that's when we're going to be uh, truly see equality amongst um, America. And, and the, the, the least uh, that we try to exclude ourselves from the rest uh, is when we're actually, um, I think, where we're, we're going to see the most equity in, in, in regards to government and, and society. So I think one of the things that could that could have provided equity and inclusion for all communities, not just Latino communities, like all communities of different races and ethnicities, um, was, for example, um, the Heroes Act. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Heroes Act in, in Congress, which would have, you know, paid for the emergent emergency supplemental, um, uh, you know, like PPE would have given the the uh, additional direct payments of uh, 1200 per individual paid sick day leaves, um, uh, paycheck protection funding for, uh, for essential workers, um, you know, tax credit deductions, um, it eliminates cost of share, so many things that it would have done for our community. Um, and one of the things that I continue to see within just the Trump administration and even just within our own House of Representatives and Senate, was that this bill was continued to be um, pushed down. And every time that this bill that would have included equity for many communities, um, then came back around closer to, I think it was September, and they said, well, we don't want to look at the entire picture. We want to just pay people money, which is great. We need money to be able to supplement our income because we're suffering right now during the pandemic. But the right. House of Representatives came back and said, okay, well, we'll do, you know, at least the, the minimum of the 1200 plus, and we want to include ITN, um, ITIN numbers. So people can get that additional supplemental income. And then, you know, the president came back and we're like, no, we just want to give out this um, paycheck. And so I feel like when I think about at least the administration and, and what, Trump has done, but I, I mean, it goes beyond that, right? It goes what's going on in the House and the Senate is that we're not really taking into consideration the equity and the inclusion of like even the bills and the policies that are being pushed forward that, um, that I feel that that is needed. And I feel that we can't, for some reason, we can't reach that with Trump. And so I'm hoping that with at least a different administration under Biden and Harris, that, that at least these bills would be taken into consideration as a whole and not just one area that can be paid out to our community or for our resources for our community. So Self-responsibility is a big concept in the conservative and capitalist discourse. My question to the conservatives here, how would you describe self-responsibility when it comes to low socioeconomic communities, your Latin American country of origins, or the world as we are living in a climate change crisis? Capitalism is, is it could be very selfish at times. It, it really can. Um, I, can I think um, as a conservative Republican, um, sometimes I, I, I caught myself having very selfish um, thoughts where, you know, this is what I've earned. This is what I want to keep. I don't know if I'm going in the area that you're that you're expecting the answer, uh, Francisco, 
Um, but uh, what, what, what I'm trying to say is capitalism can be very selfish at, at times. And selfish of those in need. Um, capitalism can be selfish at times if we don't manage it correctly. Um, yes, of our ecosystem and of other countries. So I believe in a very uh, balanced capitalism where we don't forget about those in need, but not in a, in a sense where we need to support them for the rest of our lives. When I was younger, my family was on welfare, for example. And we understood welfare was just temporarily. It was a temporarily relief. It was not a permanent retirement plan, per se. So in regards to capitalism and, and the way I feel about, um, you know, uh, the way capitalism should be managed or handled is um, you, if you want to have something, you have to earn it and you have to work for it. And, and whatever you work for, you get to keep. I don't, I don't believe that you need to necessarily share that against your will with others to have equity. I'm talking about, um, you know, equality in economics. I, I'm a strong believer of capitalism. I, I really, despite um, um, socialism, uh, just because, again, and, and it sounds very, very selfish, but uh, what you work for, is yours and you get to keep it. And you, if you want to be, uh, you know, given and, and you want to give to the, to the ones that you need, including to people here in the United States or outside the United States. And then that's at your own will, at your own heart. Um, I personally, as a Christian, um, we do a lot of social um, and social help and we go out and help others. And, and we give our, our, from our salary, we give our, for example, our 10%, so as a capitalist, I'm not against giving others to others, helping others. I just think it has to be a very balanced capitalism where we understand what, what's yours is yours. And if you want to give some to others, and then it's at free will. And, and you shouldn't be forced by the government to help others or have an equity in our, in our economy. Well, we all have seen prior to COVID um, how many businesses, small businesses, big businesses were being very successful in their own right. As far as the responsibility for other countries, the United every country decides what they're gonna do with their own country. The rights, they're gonna be communists, they're gonna be in capitalism, and that's their right, they should, because they live in that country. Um, that's why Venezuela is the way it is, Denmark is the way it is, and you know, it's a decision that the country has to make on itself and then suffer the consequences, whether it be good consequences or bad consequences. But every country needs, every country, what I see, every country does what they feel is best for their country, just like every household does it. So, but as far as where the country comes in, it's a bigger picture. It's just not like your household. Um, it's not, and it's in a smaller scale. Um, I believe that the United States does have a responsibility to other countries to an extent. But just like James um, Jordan Peterson said, you have to take care of your own home before you and make right in your own country, in your own home, before you go out and start, you know, fixing everybody else's problems or helping everybody else in their problems. Uh, to the Democrats now, with how Democrats who are in ties with the prison industrial complex, U.S. imperialism and an inhumane immigration system, why continue to support them every four years? And we're creating a third party be an option. That the industrial complex um, 
is funded by many um, corporations um, and even funded through our banks. So I think, and this is what I've done personally, I, I for sure know that the industrial complex is just another form of keeping people oppressed, of not really allowing people to um, even go through a fair trial. Because sometimes um, people of color are um, not even trialed um, with the same um, thought process or the same uh, advantages of other people, uh, particularly white people. Um, I, I particularly choose not to uh, purchase or at least uh, make business with other banks um, that go into the industrial complex, the prison industrial complex. So um, I, think, I think for me, it, it starts with uh, knowing if, if you are paying into these prisons, for example, Wells Fargo, uh, uh, JP Morgan Chase, um, I think U.S. Bank also does that. Um, different different banks pay into this uh, prison district complex. So I think just being mindful of that. Um, I think what um, I think what also comes into play is how PACs or super PACs donate money to different um, political parties or different candidates. And so I think taking certain money that can advance certain political stances is uh, can muddy the waters because they're paying, right? They're paying for how they want you to act within a democracy. Uh, and that is not a democracy. You're paying into what you want. And I don't think that's okay. So I think one for Democrats in general and for any politician in general, I think you need to be mindful of how you are receiving your money uh, because you're paying into the leadership you're paying into being president and so i think that's one of the things um how is u.s imperialism and an inhumane immigration system so why continue to support that every four years i think um when we think about imperialism and an inhumane immigration system i think when we talk about um i mean when we when we think about capitalism and trading and, and all that comes with it I do have to say that sometimes, you know, within the United States, we want things faster, we want things cheaper, we want things to be convenient. Um, and so I think, at least personally for me, I think being aware of how we are um, taking advantage of other, other countries, you know, taking advantage of other people's labor, I think for me comes into play. Um, so I think being able to to at least provide them that decency or those human rights, you know, to not be in sweatshops, to to be able to um, to not go into that imperialistic ideals. For me, at least, I think it's something that needs to. Um, for me also comes into like who then I would choose as a leader. Well, as long as there's corporate interests within the, you know, upper elite, uh, I feel like self-responsibility is something that uh, will slowly start diminishing even more as we progress. And as for uh, voting for Democrats because of their ties with the prison industrial complex, um, this is the only time that, I will be voting uh, Democrat unless there is a Democratic candidate who is actually qualified to lead. 
Um, but as of now, uh, for me, it's for Trump to not be in office because I feel like his skill set is better suited as the probably the Department of Small Businesses or, or like his skill set is somewhere else in the government. It's not as a face of United States. So I will not be voting unless there's an even more qualified candidate within the Democratic Party that does not have ties to industrial, uh, the prison industrial complex. Uh, as for another party, I think that's not just one. I, I feel like we should have a variety. We should have, you know, five because the what I call the Trump Republicans came out of Democrats going far left. So I feel like we need to be able to have a far left party, uh, a centrist party, a far right party, right, left. Uh, we should be able to have a choice, but it goes beyond that. You know, it goes beyond the choices we have. It, it goes to the system we have. And I feel like we are in an outdated system and uh, we need to possibly uh, consider ranked choice voting as the possible way to combat this two party struggle. With that said, that is all the time that we have. Thank you all for joining us. And for everyone at home, make sure you like the video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on all our social media outlets at Latin Entertainment underscore presents. That is Latin Entertainment underscore presents. Also, you can listen to us on various podcast platforms that vary from Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts, just to name a few. Lastly, watch out for our next episode on the presidential election, the post-results discussion. See you on the next episode as Latin Entertainment presents Conversamos. Yeah, yo, is it that wrong? I'm making a song, I'm taking it back for the platform that I form. He's just helping me transform. I run the reservoir, the predator, like a hungry carnivore. When I'm breaking through these heavy doors, this is desert storm. A metaphor to show I'm equipped and informed. I'm striking with the mega force, I'm lukewarm. You're